Welcome to the talk shop. It's Bernie and Chimdi. Nice. Uh, the kids are like they—they they had fun in Nige, man. Um, nice. So we went. Um, when was it? The December. We only did like. Yeah. 10 days not even up to uh two weeks um mm. so we did we did 10 days um and um it was very very interesting like the plane ride to nigeria like we actually had many flights <laughs> wow. like, we were trying to find uh the best flight in and mm. it was all so expensive like to to go so funny enough, um, we were looking for the best flights. And also I was trying to figure out what's the best way to do this because, you know, we haven't traveled internationally with PJ at an age where like he's, you know, really cognitively developed, right? where his emotions and feelings will come into it like past four hours to Calgary or something. So we, we were like, can we like probably breaking it up with layover is actually a good thing. That was sort of what we were thinking. I see. Um, but so we took a flight to Washington, Dallas, then mm-hmm. Dallas to Frankfurt and Frankfurt to Potarquas. Mm-hmm. We would have just taken the late Frankfurt and then back. But when we looked at the prices as well, it was better. And mm-hmm. then funny enough, when we booked the ticket and it was time to select your seats, all of a sudden on that route, we saw first class to Washington, Dallas, which is, you know, front of the plane, whatever, but it's nice. Mm-hmm. And then we saw the seats were business class to Frankfurt. I was like, oh. Nice. <laughs> and it was the cost of economy. So Wait, I don't they know upgraded you because of something or it just somehow happened to be ship moved over there? Uh, no, like, as so we actually selected the seats immediately that we booked a ticket. So it was like mm-hmm. a month before. Like, mm-hmm. So they didn't, they didn't bump us up. But what was mm-hmm. interesting was when I looked at the price of that same ticket, um, mm-hmm. on the United website, mm-hmm. it was three times the price. Sorry, it was, it was twice wow. the price. And I didn't really understand it. So I just said, I'll just book, the, book it from here. I think yeah. it was um, Google Flights or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now I realized that what they were doing was, on United website, it was the business class cost. While yeah. somehow, somehow, there was a discount in the ether somewhere <laughs> that like mm-hmm. we magically got hold of. So once I found it out, I kept checking my email every day like, are they going to take it away? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and that was a lifesaver because, like, you know, the beds fully. You you, you, you did this yourself. The beds, like, yeah. recline fully so PJ mm-hmm. can sleep fully. And I was like, oh, this is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But on the flight back, it was premium economy. Mm-hmm. My guy was really, like, <laughs> he wasn't having it. He didn't want to sleep all the way, like, from wow. PH to Frankfurt. I was like, bro, what is this? Like, come wow. on. But anyway, Nigeria itself was a lot of fun. They they met all their cousins, of which there are a lot of them, and had a good time playing with everyone. And PJ liked the open spaces and running around in the village. Yeah. And uh, all the attention. Everyone came to see him. And, you know, he, he, he really loved it. And he came back strange. And I say that in oh. the sense of, in Nigeria, like, he ate his food, but, like, it wasn't anything abnormal like before he we left feeding him was like 
eat now, you know, there was that kind of thing, cajoling him to eat. But since yeah. we came back, he's just like, if I, I'll tell him to eat, and he eats really, really well. I was like, mm-hmm. what? The, what, what? <laughs> like, it, it didn't really make sense. And, you know, they're still in their toddler phase, but he listens more. And I, I'm, yeah. I was trying to wrap my head around, did anything different occur? And I can't really pinpoint anything particular that was different. Uh, maybe stuff happened around me I didn't know. But like he's mm-hmm. a more agreeable child, <laughs> and I'm nice. I'm running to the bank with that. <laughs> nice. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, generally, probably maybe it's a a consequence of meeting a lot of people, new people, you know, at once, family, taking a trip of that kind, you know, kind of feeling like he's seeing new things and enjoying himself. Maybe that kind of he kind of came back and just you know. Again, also, they also have their random points of maturity. When I say maturity, as in a point where they just get to and they, it clicks and just they have phases where that happens. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you, Kaima is obviously, she's she's still very playful and everything, but she's, when I say conversationally, I think she says, obviously, they're saying things in school, but sometimes she says something I'm like, how do you know what that means? But you're using it correctly. And mm. it's like, wow, you know? So obviously the food part is just she's getting to the point where she knows that she can um, toy her way away from eating things or like pretend like it's not she doesn't like it or waste time. And then once once we say okay no problem go and sit down go and watch TV don't eat anymore she'll come and say oh can I have snacks? Mm. I'm like so you're actually hungry but you just don't want to eat that and you're trying to you think you're wise you think we we'll just give it to you. No I don't know Shab but yeah that's that's a beautiful thing I'm actually. Hoping next year we can take Kaima to 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 Nige because I think that's key. I don't want her to get too far along where she doesn't have an initial experience of it. Like I want her to have an experience of Nige before she's five, and mm-hmm. then again before she's ten or around ten, and then progressively, you know, yeah, be in touch in that way. Like yeah. have her have the interest. Like oh, I want to go back. Like you know, exactly. to, that that would be nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, hopefully next year at some point. That'll, that'll be good. That'll be good. We we have to go in like I want to say three, four years. Um, for, remember that ceremony for my dad? It's my mom's own. In like oh, okay, cool. I think three or four years. I can't remember when exactly, but so that's kind of the, the next time I'm planning on going. But I sincerely hope because we go to the east a lot. You know, we want to at least hit up Abuja next time and Lagos and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But traveling, you know, I think I said this before, inside Nigeria is something I I don't like thinking about, <laughs> you know, like I can't imagine landing in Abuja or Lagos, knowing that I have to go to the East for something East, and then yeah. having to get like whatever airline it is. I don't even, even care. Airpiece. I had a good experience yeah. with them last time, but I can't mm-hmm. put, I don't, the idea of like putting mm-hmm. my kids through that, knowing that you can get to the airport at 8 AM for a 10 AM flight that won't leave till six. Yeah. I'm like, fam. <laughs> like, obviously, yeah. it doesn't happen all the time, but just the idea that it's possible in a country like yeah. Nigeria, and it's possible in Canada and the US, I get that. But the degree yeah. to which it happens in Nigeria is higher. And all yeah. the other stuff that comes with, like, airport nonsense. Like, on our way out, they took lights in the airport. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> These are things that I'm like, they're micro things, but mm-hmm. the idea of getting on like that was in international airports, right? It's getting mm-hmm. on that kind of flight and dealing with that travel with kids. As, yeah. If they're older, I think that's fine. 
you know, you can mm-hmm. tell them keep quiet and they'll keep quiet. But like with little kids who just can't rationalize what's going on, mm-hmm. I can't, man. Like we even drove from Potarkot to Abba and then later did Abba to Umwaya. Mm-hmm. Both times, the road, like the road from Potarkot, I'm telling you, it is the worst road. I've done that drive. Life. Well, like, not Potarkot. I've done. <laughs> I've done R and Zog to to what's the airport in Oweri? Jesus, that that <laughs> drive was a journey, you know. But I can't imagine what Putako to um, to that is. Like I've heard that it's, it's really terrible. The funniest part is that, like, so when I went to Niger in 2021, I landed in Enugu and went to the village. From the that whole road from Enugu up until the border of Abia State is wonderful. Like Enugu is doing something right, like in 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 the east. That road was I was like, wow, this is great. Once you got to Abia, it was like like literally once you saw the border and crossed, rubbish. Yep. And yep. if you take that express that road all the way to Potarko, like the road looks as if multiple asteroids hit the road. <laughs> and it's it's if you have a small car, it's actually you can't navigate the road. Nope. So, huge craters. Like we had our we had our SUV with us, and um, mm-hmm. the car was you know swaying and swaying and swaying and swaying, and PJ kept saying, "Somebody help us! Somebody help us!" <laughs> <laughs> it was that bad. God damn. Oh, he was wow. he was not having it, and and like but like we tried to laugh at, about it, and he ended up laughing about it, but. On the way to Umayya from Abba, the road was actually not as bad, but he was still swaying around. That like he actually mm-hmm. got car sick. So oh, okay, just yeah. The key that's in Nigeria so is to stay in one place, really. <laughs> bro. As much as you can. Like that's that's the the problem is that, all right. Like you you again, we are getting to the point where we want our kids to experience a lot of things, and also we are also at the point where we have family obligations. Mm-hmm. You know, things that take us there as first sons, as older men, whatever it is. Because uh, if I go back to Nigeria, there's usually a reason why. And usually it's tied to family back home. Uh, something has to happen. You know what I'm saying? So going there is, is almost mandatory every time you visit because you're not around a lot. Right. So that thought is just daunting. Uh, I'll, Anyways, it's a little better now because it's flying to Asaba, which is relatively okay. Mm. But then again, the whole airport experience, trying to get a flight, whatever, whatever. Plus me, I've just had that phobia of flying in Nigeria anyways, so that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get there and then you now have to... Oh, in recent years, I really haven't had any bad experience regarding driving in these. In fact, when we went there last time for our wedding, I drove in Asia. Like myself, mm-hmm. like around the So it's not that bad. It's not bad. Like when we saw fear Bakasi, fear Ambrobas, all over the place in Onitia. I think Onitia generally has got, gotten better. There's not mm-hmm. that much of those kind of things happening anymore. No more thieves and stuff like that. But still, it's like tough. You know, it's like scary moving around there. You know what? You know what's going to happen. So you have to not drive myself out to Onitia. Logistically, man, just thinking about it. But I would want Kaima to go there. Because I just want her to see it. I want her to experience it. Not that she's going to be, well, compared to you guys, 
honestly, I don't envision her taking too many walks on the street because <laughs> we literally live, we literally live on one of the Oka Road is our our streets on Oka Road. Oka Road is a major major road in Nigeria. So like there's churches, shops, everything. It's like it's literally like living on a high street, mm-hmm. honestly. So like walking around and stuff like that is not a leisurely stroll mm-hmm. per se. You know, you don't really want to be doing that. So I mean, we can, but I just I don't know if if I take Kaima to Nigeria, I'm not sure that's roaming around and exploring is a, even an option necessarily. Oh no, no, no. Even even <clears> for us, like when I say like walking around is like you're in, in your compound, compound. <laughs> and like yeah. there's all this space in your compound for the most part right so it's like mm-hmm. yeah go outside and go play and it's more i mean we have more backyard space than we have here or you know in Abba yeah. where we are like there's a garden and everything and you could have fun and run around but mm-hmm. ah, ah, look i'll say this i think and i don't have any empirical evidence for this but I think that the security situation in the East is, to your point, better than what it was even a year ago. Yeah. Um, I think people are, are are less afraid. Of course, we're talking about relative levels here. But yeah. I think it's a lot easier. I mean, we went around um, about, like, my dad was showing me some business things. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I never felt for a second unsafe. But then again, part of the thing is, it's not as if we announced we were there. Exactly. Right? Which is one of the you main You blended things. in as much as you could. Yeah. Like, yeah. went from point A to point B in the car. People mm-hmm. didn't even know until the minute before we wanted to go somewhere. Call the driver, let's mm-hmm. go. You know, this, yeah. you're not advertising your plans to anybody or anything like that. Exactly. So exactly. that could be a factor. But I just, I never really felt unsafe on the roads necessarily. Even yeah. though we some sometimes like to the wedding we went mm-hmm. to, we brought police with us and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like, I didn't I didn't really feel unsafe. Um, yeah. But you know, part of that is being smart too. Yeah, I think I think in general, like like you said, I, I think I can. Like again, I drove around on Asia, so I I legit have like, you know, now when you go, you're not first of all, you're not going there dressed anyhow. I'm not necessarily driving a flashy car, to be honest with you. It's whatever car we left in on each other is what we drive around. Mm-hmm. It's not the flashiest of things. You're not coming out and looking like you are a foreigner necessarily. The only time they will know that you're not from there is when you start to talk. And if you're not speaking Igbo, you know. Mm-hmm. But even then, I think Nigeria and certainly most of the East is so far gone in terms of I don't want to say development because saying development makes it seem as if our local languages and customs are wrong to have, but most people on the street are speaking English as equally as you. In Onisha, we have malls. If I go to the mall, I'm not expecting to necessarily talk to the person at the counter in Igbo. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they do on a regular basis because people just do, but if I go and speak English, they're not going to look at me like I'm white speaking English. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like it's a little bit different now, which is why I feel like it's there's there's less worry that somebody's looking at you and targeting you unless they know who you are specifically and legit want to harm you. But if you're just a random person, you're not gonna attract any attention to yourself if you're walking around. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You won't look any you won't look any different from somebody coming from Lagos for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Or you know what I'm saying? 
yeah, yeah, you won't look any different from them. So that's yeah. that's that's where I come from with it in terms of feeling comfortable. But for me, it's mostly the transition and getting there. Getting there is the scary part for me. The actual mm-hmm. trip there, which includes the flights. In in fact, if I'm honest with you, the flight is the scariest part because driving is relatively short. Even if I'm going to Amaka's village, you know, and it's up, that is not too far mm-hmm. in terms of, it's not scary. And plus, I just feel comfortable. Usually, whoever they send to take us is somebody we know. So, mm-hmm. we're driving with people we know, we're comfortable, whatever, whatever. So, yeah, man, that's, I don't that's know. a major key. That's, yeah. you know, and I know we didn't intend on this, but I think this is appropriate to have this episode be about home a little bit in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing you were talking about that I think I also resonate with is that I would love for, if sometimes when I say this, it sounds easy for me to say, considering I live abroad and like have lived abroad a lot um, and aren't hustling locally. But there there is something to be said about the, like a, appreciation for, well, not taking things for granted. Let me say that. Um, and, I have an appreciation for it without having to have dealt with all the things that other people have to deal with. Right. Yeah. And I kind of want that for PJ. Like I kind of want him to know that like, by the way, you should consider how lucky you are in this life because this is how some other people are living and, and not to, not in the context of, Oh, look at these poor Negroes. Like some other people would be thinking about in the, in the realities of, you know, there are people in your own family, right people who are literally related to you that mm-hmm. are hustling and you know what they're mm-hmm. not even complaining they're fine but the, the the environment that they're living in to deal with that or to do that is an environment where you have to hustle and i want you to yeah. understand as well that it shouldn't actually have to be like that and when mm-hmm. we say hustle i mean the gragra things that, that, that you have to do to make it and survive in nigeria you know mm-hmm. even even a rich man has to deal with certain things yeah to make it in nigeria that is just not something that you should have to deal with but to let Mm -hmm. you know that the reality of the world is most people do so count yourself lucky and work your ass off because you know you're you're pretty lucky yeah definitely want to like like you said we have the privilege one we grew up in nigeria right we've seen both sides we grew up formative years between nigeria and other places in your case Mm -hmm. but our nigerianess is there we relate with everyone in Nigeria to a large extent. Again, we experience a lot of the same things most people in Nigeria have experienced. Whether we've seen other things now is is besides the fact. We can go there and relate to them on a basic level, right? So trying to figure out a way to get your kids to see that, one way to do that is definitely to visit, you know, and show them, literally show them what it is, but have them relate to people that you know that live there and all that kind of stuff and exposing them to that. And that's the only way you can do it, you know, and that's what you have to try to do because I don't, I really don't want Kaima to ever be one of those kids that literally doesn't, doesn't know about where she's from, has no clue, you know, doesn't understand basic things, even Igbo, even we, we don't speak Igbo, but like, I would like. I would hope that by the time she's able to comprehend small words, she'll pick up that our parents are saying or we're saying and understand what it means. So she's not. It's not alien to her, you know. Mm-hmm. 
those kind of things. So, anyways, there's still time to make sure that we ingrain ingrain them into these things. But yeah, just... there's a there's a member of my family who shall remain nameless. No, my wife shall, but <laughs> shall remain nameless. Um, who said to me one time that like it was in jest, but like I don't know why it hit me, and I was like, man, I don't want this. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember what the context we're talking about was, but it was like. Yo, I'm a, oh no, okay, so this is what it was, okay. I was having a debate about what are the best cuisines in the world, because, mm-hmm. and this was before, remember that thing was going around on Twitter, where they had like the 100 best cuisines, the and there was yeah. no black, no, not even Africa, there was no black country. Country. Like, like I was I was shocked, but mm-hmm. this is before that, and because me and the Kosh boys were having this discussion that like, there are many foods on this earth that are overrated, and I said Italian food is actually overrated, and you know there was there was a discourse around that. So we, we didn't agree. We just lo- gave what our top five cuisines was, and of course I said Nigerian food for me. They don't have the taste for it. That's cool. And I was having mm-hmm. this discussion with a family member, and they didn't include Nigerian food. And I just asked, like, you know, <laughs> you know, is, is, is there a reason for this? <laughs> and they were like, Yo, I I I'm kind of. Canadian, like it was a joke, you know. Mm. Like I'm not from there, kind of thing. Like it mm. was a joke, but like mm. in my heart, I know it's irrelevant. I know it doesn't mean mm. anything, but like mm. somehow, somehow in my brain, I was like, I don't like this, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't like. I, I, I want PJ to grow up, and I can't control it. I want him to grow up and yeah. be like, yeah, I love Nigerian food. Also. Yeah. Because it's like a part of him, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't help it. I just want that. <laughs> like the biggest comparison I can give is, I mean, obviously, just we're just gonna pick a place that is um, that is more that has more first and second generation immigrants. Well, we have a lot of those now anywhere, but um, like if you look at the UK first, second generation, even third generation. You just want them to know and feel like there's a connection, you know? And then you can tell now, I think for the most part, there's a lot of people that are second generation immigrants in like this country or in England who, especially our age and maybe a little bit younger, I'll say our age, millennials mostly, who probably at some point, some of them moved here when they were very young or they were born here didn't necessarily associate or claim but now do there's different reasons for that just nigerian culture in general is just everywhere mm-hmm. so you can't can't hide it but you are proud now to just say yes i'm nigerian and if someone asks you where are you from if they're asking you where you're from and you're in your so let's say it's me now i'm in america if someone asks mm-hmm. me where i'm from i'm going to say i'm nigerian mm-hmm. you know i might be american citizen but i will say i'm nigerian do you get what I'm saying? Like, it depends yeah. on who's asking you or what context it is. Mm-hmm. If it's a, wait, what person asking you where you're from, you would say that. If it's a, an, another black person asking you where you're from, you would assume that they know you're not, if they're Nigerian or if you can tell they're Nigerian, you would assume that yeah, they're asking you. Yeah, you can tell, yeah. Yeah, you assume they're asking you where in the States do you live, but not where you're from because they know where you're really from, where you're asking, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So just wanting to make sure that they feel that way about where they're from and always, you know, Nigerian first, American second is what I'm trying to push and hope hopefully I can push that. <laughs> because you know what's hey, interesting? Yeah. 
it, it it's a it's an interesting thing, right? Because sometimes I look at like football players like Saka and all these guys, and like in my mind, I actually do think someone like Saka like relates. You know what I mean? Like like I don't know oh, it for yeah. a fact. I just have that feeling that he relates with back home, even there's, though he plays for England. There's videos of either him or Iwobi or somebody bringing Nigerian food to the canteen in their club. Mm. I, I I think it was when they were younger and Iwobi was in Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen a clip of it mm-hmm. where they were chowing about something they brought mm-hmm. in. It's not a it's not a hidden thing for them. No, mm-hmm. I think a lot of those guys, even people like Tammy Abraham, there isn't anyone that you know that is distinctly of African descent in that generation or in, you know, in this group of players now that, that doesn't relate. I don't think. There's very yeah. few. I know, I know I Ize does. Because they asked him how to pronounce his name and he actually said, hey, this is like... <laughs> he said, Eber- not Eberichi Eberichi Eze. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And, and, and to the point that you made is like, on where are you from? It's it's funny because like you remember that royal person and that whole situation where she mm-hmm, asked this woman mm-hmm. like, "So where are you from?" And she goes, "England mm-hmm. or something," and and she goes, "No, no, no." But where are you where are you really from? She goes, "England," <laughs> and she keeps poking at like, "Where did your ancestors come from?" All this stuff, and you know that caused a a, a bit of a furore about racial bias and stuff like that, for which they had to apologize. And and it's a very interesting point because people have asked me this all the time. Like, but what if people are just curious? And I just find it interesting because, yes, it does matter who is asking. And, yes, in some sense, you can consider it an innocent question. Um, and, yes, they might get a different answer depending on who they're talking to. But I think... I think the issue that people have is that, like, no one is going to ask any white person, where are you from, and expect an answer that's not Birmingham or, you know, if they're if they're white in America, like, you know, New York or something. That's the answer that you're going to get. That's the answer that you actually expect to get. But if it's a black person, like, you're asking with the expectation of hearing something else, which, if not racism, which... You know, I'm going to say it's not. At least it's unconscious bias, which is dangerous in and of itself. And that's what I don't want. But also, there's a flip side of, you know, I was talking to some Nigerian kids, Igbo kids from my village. No, not even from my village. The mom is from my village, and the dad is from is from Anambra, I think. And, like, asked, like, oh, where are you from? Expecting to hear them say the name of their village in Anambra. <laughs> and they were like... Oh, I'm from Brampton. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, that threw me for a loop. So I'm like, am I wrong in that way I ask this question? Or like, you know, it is a bit confusing, but I I just want my kid to say, like, PJ is now, what, second generation? Is that because I'm first generation or, or what? Is he first? Like, how, how does this qualify? Like, what, what are we? You're a uh, mute. Oh, we are we are first, I think. I mean, you are first because your parents are actually Canadian too. So you are first generation because they are actually. I don't know. Maybe you're second actually. Because I wait. I came first. No, 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 no. 
you 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 immigrated here. You you identify yeah. as Nigerian. So your yeah. kid is your kid is first generation. No, second generation. Okay. I think. I think. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah. right. We'll clarify, but I think yeah. that's right. But mm-hmm. all all I really want and I'll make my heart like beat is for my son to go, Yeah, I'm Nigerian Canadian. Just say both of them. You know, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I think the the point is just yeah, just know where you're from and own it and not relegate it to the side is what the aim is, I think. Mm-hmm. Is you know, you know where you're from, you don't not claim it. And that's it. You don't really need to do much more than that. We're not saying that you have to speak Igbo all the time, even though hopefully if you if you can learn it even better than us, you know, I'm I'm banking on my, my parents and another parents to somehow help us <laughs> ingrain that into them. You know? Even so so Kaima can now say her full name. Obviously she still says it with an accent because mm-hmm. schools if they're teaching her in school, they're saying it with an accent, so so that and then her last name too. She hasn't placed the B yet. It's mm. Eguna at this point. So <laughs> she's she's trying at least. But like, you know, I, again, I, I'm just hoping that we can find a way to like kind of like get her to that point. I think again, we're second generation. We were raised a certain way. We have certain values. I don't think it'll be hard for it to rub off as long as we continue that. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's tough though. It's very tough because right now the main thing that connects us to Nigeria is just who we are and our parents. And thankfully also there's different aspects of Nigerian culture as a whole that is prevalent everywhere now. So it's not hard to introduce you to something Nigerian. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Even if Mm -hmm. it's music, even if it's food, because food is around also, you know, that's the thing. And also, you know, that's one thing about being um, in uh, a distant place like this is there's no necessarily communities. I know you guys have in Toronto, you probably have your village communities, your IBS state communities are probably, I don't know, mm-hmm. which you could attend meetings for if you are in the mood for that. I have one. I get a a monthly newsletter from my in New York t- state. In Tennessee now? Oh, still no, New York no, no, no. State. New York, okay. yeah, that's yeah. So I'm saying, so like, I don't, the closest to here would probably be Houston, mm-hmm. Texas, if I were to try to join something mm-hmm. with my family and, you know, my uncle's the president in New York. So kind of stuck there in terms mm-hmm. of if I was to affiliate with any particular like section, I would stick to New York, even if I'm not there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I just hope we can impart it as well, because there's many families there that the parents moved here. And they, their parents grew up in Nigeria, but like nothing translated, nothing, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. barely anything really. I won't say nothing because usually something translates was rejected. You know, that's yeah. that's where it becomes bad is if it's rejected. But yeah, but yeah, <sighs> that was an interesting trajectory. We didn't expect to go, people, but uh, obviously it was going to be. Um, <clears throat> It's going to be something that will come up anyways as part of us raising kids. So I'm glad we talked about it. It was interesting. And I'm glad your trip went well. I, I yeah, man. I was, I was something I wanted to, I want to um, segue into for the, the next couple of minutes. But I was worried 
security wise personally when when you mm-hmm. told me you were going out that will the reason why the reason why is is the elections and uh, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and things everything going on with that with that uh so far we haven't seen i mean apart from i think this morning or yesterday there was some <clears throat> unrest somewhere in lagos but other than that it hasn't been too crazy but things are going to start ramping up in terms of the elections because everything is happening in february you know so that was my major concern with you going was unrest and just generally with the whole december movement in nigeria that was one of my biggest fears it's just too many things going on but it seems like everything went as normal in terms of december travel and get to december everybody still had their usual fun apart from the usual chaos and concerts attendance and stuff like that but other than that things seem to go well so that's good but now elections are coming Mm -hmm. how do you feel by the way about the political landscape what's going on what are your thoughts this is where i wanted to go I mean, I know we have other things maybe we could talk about. So for some reason, I feel compelled to talk about it. No, this is good. This is good. It, it, right it was now. interesting seeing things on the ground um, mm. because, like, well, it's one thing when, like, our guys are telling us things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, there are some things I'm like, mm, y'all are in Lagos, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's, it's a different thing. But, mm-hmm. and although they get around, what was interesting for me was talking to people on ground because I can't talk to my dad about this. <laughs> it's, it's, we, it's not that we have a different opinion on candidates. We just have a different approach to politics in Nigeria. I might explain that in, in, in a bit, but um, the East, at least Abia states up is from what I'm, I've been told by people on the ground is fully obedient. Uh, and that, I mean, people told me that, but to see it, because it was very hard for me to believe it, considering, I don't know about Anambra, probably it's the case, but in Abia, like, PDP has been winning everything and rigging yeah. everything to some degree as well. Yeah, Anambra, the way they do it is weird. They have that APCA thing, mm-hmm. um, which I believe is an offshoot of PDP. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a an state party that just wins everything. So if you want to do anything in Anambra states, generally mm-hmm. you are affiliated with one of the majors. But Abga is where you need to be. I think I think that's how it works. But I know Abga has a, a hand to play in Anambra state generally. So, but yeah, no, I think from what I'm seeing, I, I'm just trying to, and I'm glad you brought up the on the ground thing because I'm trying to just gauge really and truly. I'm hoping that it's not just that internet thing. I don't think it is in terms of it won't, even if let's just say whatever happens, he doesn't win. I don't think, my hope is this, right? That his candidacy, one, spurns or spurs on the new generation to to really put their head in it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Two, he's still young enough, I feel like, even if for some reason he doesn't win, he started something that will hopefully he can keep up to the next four years. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I feel like there is a turning point and I feel like, you know, with any of these two people he's going against, I know there's more, but there's too many people, right? It's, I think it's only a matter of time. He's in the right age bracket compared to them where he can still get in. He can still participate in politics in Nigeria for the next four years. 
And I feel like if, if for some reason he doesn't win this year, the movement of trying to actually get away from the old style of governance is coming, right? It's, uh-huh. it's beginning to ramp up. Uh-huh. But my hope, my just two things. My hope, first of all, um, is that our generation and people that are online talking about these things, one, are actually enough and motivated enough to actually go out and vote because I, I, there's a lot of noise online. There's a lot of noise in opposition to online. So the Labor Party and obedience are not the only ones using online platform to recruit people. There's other people, you know, that mm-hmm. are benefiting from online. So, you know, that's not exclusive to, to obese movement. But um, I'm hoping that at least people are actually being motivated to go out and do something about this and actually voting when the time comes. One, that's one. Two, though. I'm encouraged that even if, again, if he doesn't win this period, there's a generation large enough following this that, again, in four years, it'd be four years older, four years more mature, four years perhaps suffered more under the... I don't think it can be as bad as it is now. I feel like whoever comes in will probably try to do something regardless in the next two years to actually mm-hmm. make time to change. I think I honestly believe that even if it's Tinubu or, or Atiku, I feel like Whoever comes in now really can't just go through the status quo anymore. They will try to do something major to to show that they they, they care in some way. I don't know what yeah. it will be, but they will take they undertake something, right? So that's what I'm thinking. But um, our generation and people that are really latching onto this PW movement would also be more mature and know the landscape better. And I'm hoping that the Labour Party, particularly, if he stays there, which I think he should, I think they should use that as a platform and begin to actually grow out the party properly to include power in other places. Because I feel like, obviously, I don't know the governor or other positions um, in Labour Party who is there, who's going for positions in other lower, you know, but I feel like if they can start growing the party, I feel still feel like it's still PDP and ADP and APC for like local government and things like that. I don't know how big labor is, but they need to start putting young, capable people in other positions too to actually grow the party and actually be meaningful. So even if they don't have the presidency, Labour Party should have more seats in, in House of Reps, you know, more local governments, more governors. They should really put effort into doing that mm-hmm. so that they actually become a political forced and actually it's three parties that properly three parties because i feel like Mm -hmm. even you know that's what i'm saying so at the very least i think that will come out of this election cycle is that i do i trust that he won't if he doesn't lose if he doesn't win this period i trust that he won't just fade away i hope so i I, I don't think so. so i'm hoping that he doesn't i feel like he won't so that gives me hope that he can continue whatever movement he's starting now and try to actually push it for the next four years. And then hopefully it's gone far enough where people will actually vote the right way, especially if if things don't go as to as planned with the next president, if it's not him. I feel like mm-hmm. I agree people will you. be tired. Yeah. I, I, I think, and I've, and I've thought this from the beginning, as nice as it would be for him to win, and for me, I keep my politics very, very simple. And sometimes people claim that I'm 
a big ideal I, I, idealistic person, but I, I keep it very, very simple. And my politics are, are, are this. If you can't pass the first hurdle of corruption, I don't I can't consider anything else. As far as I'm concerned, it was why I had issues. <clears throat> and this is corruption and character go hand in hand, which is why I told people I don't consider I would never if I was American, I would never consider Donald Trump because he's a fucking asshole. Like, you know, that's that is the first barrier for me. At that yeah, point, you pass that test, I'm out, right? Yeah, and exactly. And when you, when you're dealing with, you know, if we look at the three candidates that that let me even add four, Kwanqua, so let's add him. I don't know anything about him personally, so like it's open in for interpretation because I don't know him, right? Um, when you look at Atiku, this is a guy that had so many corruption scandals that his own president said that he's a criminal. I'm pretty sure that those that is a direct quote that my, that the guy's a criminal. It's not contested that the guy is dirty. It's in fact it's accepted. So scratch off. Even if you have good ideas, I'm like scratch you out of here. And then when you go to uh, Tinubu, like look, did anything stick? No, but. My guy has the most allegations of anyone I've ever heard of in my life. Like, when you, when you look at the drug dealing thing, which, by the way, I, I want people to understand, you don't have to say he's a drug dealer. It's not necessary to say he's a drug dealer because that's not, that's not what the facts suggested. What the facts suggested was that the funds in his bank account were put in his bank account by him as proceeds of drug dealing, which means he received the funds from drug dealers, people that yep. he knew were apparently drug dealers, mm-hmm. and they, the U.S. took the money. They seized mm-hmm. $1.6 million or something to that effect initially. They gave him back uh, a large sum but kept 400000 which in the documents themselves, they say that these funds are ascertained to be the results of drug uh, trafficking. It's there. So, one way or the other, he is directly, and I'm, this is not a smear, he, it's a fact, he's directly connected to drug trafficking. Fact! You can, I'm not saying he's a criminal, but I'm saying he's connected to drug trafficking. With everything else you want to add, you know, everything else people add is conjecture, bullion van, I don't care about all that stuff. But that in it of itself, are you telling me that we're going to vote for a president that has direct links to drug trafficking, bro, you're out. That, that's, that's literally how I see politics like in mm-hmm. my life. So people and go, then, oh, but it's not like that. You have to be strategic and look at this and this and this. I'm like, I don't think of things that way in life. I don't. Even then, I mean, even even if, let's just say, again, we, I think we're one of the only countries, but then again, I, 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 what I'll say can be cognizance and just being there, all there. Uh, it's, he's clearly not all day. He can speak all the grammar he wants, but even the grammar is not coherent. Mm-hmm. He, he can't do the work. It's like if 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 in all other works of life you would retire, why are you giving somebody a retirement age disposition? Again, I know that I will have retorts from the American government and Joe Biden and Donald Trump being over retirement age or whatever. But that is a problem either way. I I I I I feel like 
and no con there's very few countries that have done this probably, but age caps on political position should be a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, it should be a thing because you need people to be coherent, able to do things, visit people, move around without issue, you know, do their job like they're a CEO of a company who, again, will be forcefully retired by 65. You know, you can stay on as a consultant, but you will not be the CEO. You will not be a partner. You will not be whatever at 65. That's just law, you know? Wow. Then why does the highest station in the country have people that need a bed after 20 minutes? <laughs> I don't get it. That need the diaper. That need, you know what I'm saying? Like, why? Again, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, somehow Trump just doesn't, sometimes he looks old, but sometimes he doesn't. He just mm-hmm. looks like he's much younger. Kudos to him. I don't know what he's doing, but he actually does seem stronger than he, his age suggests. Mm-hmm. He does. Joe Biden, um, during our election moments. time, uh, around election time, you could tell that he was as old as he is. But then sometimes you see that he looks better. But in general, he's coherent in some sense. But even him, he has his own blah, 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 periods. <laughs> but like, this guy is legit, like, gone. Like, there's not, I, I, okay, he's, he can say some things, but literally you can see him, his body struggling to hold itself together. And, you know? and yeah, and it, it's sad, you know, like, when you look at the Chatham House thing, where my guy was just asking his mates, or not his mates, but his lackeys to, to answer questions for him, I was like, ah. like the the standard that Nigerians hold themselves to political is shocking to me. And look, that's what I'm saying. I have said based on the criteria that I just gave, forget everything else, right? I've just said based on those things of that first hurdle, I'm obedient. I have no problem saying that. It doesn't even go deeper than that for me. Like it's basically what I just said, and the fact that he 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 studies, he learns, he reads mm-hmm. all these things. Mm-hmm. But even if he didn't do all that stuff, the fact that he clears the first hurdle is enough for me. But what mm-hmm. I find interesting, I don't think that Peter B is the most eloquent human being in the world. Yeah. I, I think I think he stammers around and sometimes doesn't even answer the question. Like I, mm-hmm. I and he goes around in circles. Absolutely, and. But again, he clears the first hurdle. But even then, I'll say this: Nigerian political discourse is so rubbish that, uh, <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. If you ask them what they're going to do about a topic, all of them, you might hear mm-hmm. one coherent point every couple of minutes, but not not mm-hmm. very often. All of them. Mm-hmm. It's just just the way it is. Obi might say something useful every more so than them. Like when we talked about um, health insurance. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, I was watching the town hall. I was like, that's the only coherent thing I heard on the subject. But even the, with the three of them, it's 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 a bit few and far between. But then you look at the I remember I was I was almost crying somehow. <laughs> like I was watching the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda, and the one mm-hmm. and the Prime Minister of Finland, whose name escapes me now. Um, that woman. And those two mm-hmm. ladies were going off like the like they were being answered. They answered questions, and I was like, "Man, this is some high-level policy talk right here." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. not the fact that there was women; it was just the simple fact that, like, they were just so on it, and there were proposals, mm-hmm. and there was policy, and there was depth to the conversation. And I, so mm-hmm. I just thought about blah blah blue. I was like, "Oh God." <laughs> 
<laughs> like, oh no, oh no, we're screwed. <laughs> yep. That that's that's honestly like how it, it it's crazy that that is the case. And to me, like you said, you have your basic criteria. To me, that's the one I look at. I'm like, really, this is the person. You know, other than there's two things for me is physically, I don't know if he can do it. Even Atiku, Atiku looks like he's taking care of himself, but still he's an old man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not, he will also go, like even Buhari goes to certain interviews and answers out of his ass and doesn't know what the hell he's saying. You get, he had his health care and everything, but like they're not fit physically and mentally to do these jobs, in my opinion. You know, and then just looking at character and the reason behind running, BAT is my turn. Really? It's my turn? That's really your your thing? It's my turn? You know, things of that nature is like, really? Atiku has been in this sphere before. He just wants to go back into power. He was vice president, I believe, right, at some point. So, like, this is just him trying to get back into into power. But, like, at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, how disadvantaged are they without being in power at the moment? If you think about it, would they, I guess they'll have more access to public funds and be able to do a little bit more, but are they already not destroying the system even without being an asshole rock? You I know? don't think for them being president is anything about, and this is just my, my, my opinion, I don't, think, I don't think for them it's about leading a nation i don't think oh sorry let me let me let me let me let me rephrase that i don't think it's about improving the nation i don't think that's yeah. their number one ambition i think mm. yes they all have some intention to improve the nation but for those two guys in particular i don't think that is the number one priority for them to be there which mm-hmm. is a scary thing to me yeah uh, i i, I both of them, no matter how they say it, it's my turn for those those two guys. Yeah. When you look at people say, look at Lagos and look at what um, Tinubu built in Lagos, and I'm like, okay, like, it was <laughs> was uh, I remember? I mean, you least live in Lagos. I remember living in Lagos for two years. Like, is Lagos safer now than it was then? I'm not sure about that. Like, they they basically tell me. Look at these big buildings. Look, you know, look at Lecky. Look at Echo Atlantic. Look at this as Lagos. I'm like, are we are we not talking about the same place that that has regressed mm-hmm. in terms of livability? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and whether we agree on that or not is not is not the point to me. It's when you look at improvement of a place, right? Lagos has grown a lot. It was a big mega city anyway, but it lost because the rest of Nigeria also crumbled. You have to remember that, like, people have to remember that when I was younger, Potakot was beautiful. That's why mm-hmm. it was called the Garden City. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of business there, especially oil. Now Shell's trying to liquidate everything and sell off the mm-hmm. assets and move out completely. Mm-hmm. But that city was bustling. You didn't have mm-hmm. that people needing to move out of Aba back then because there was a lot of manufacturing in Aba back then. So... Yeah the need for people to like leave and go to Lagos to seek a better future wasn't like it happened. Sure. But it wasn't as imperative back then as it is now. 
right? So you have all these things that are happening around Lagos because it's the center of excellence, so to say, but because a lot of people have to move there. So you need more infrastructure to do that and all that sort of things. But is it really these people doing big, amazing things? No, it's not. I mean, even look at the the metro, that, the light rail that they're doing. Look at that compared to the cost of what they built in Ethiopia, which is longer. It's like you're appropriating funds, bro. Like, like, what are we talking about? Yes, it's nice to have that, but how you got it is also important. And and my thing is, when you look at someone like Peter Obi, and this is what people tell me on the ground, I, I, I've I've not stepped foot in a number one day in my life. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I haven't, so I can't speak to things I've visibly seen with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. But when I hear that, oh, they were they went from God knows where to number one in education in the country, I'm like, hmm. Someone didn't yep. work there. When I hear that, they went from God knows where they were to number one in healthcare, which is, you know, the Melinda Bill Gates Foundation gave them an award for. I'm like, yep. huh, okay. Like, these are measurable impact that someone can mm. say someone did work. You know what yep. I mean? Like, yep. I can't say that about the other guys in terms of measurable indices that prove that you did work. Yep, yep. I, like, like I said to you, like, compared to when we were younger, a number of states on each is different. There's very little crime to the way it was before. Mm-hmm. Kidnapping, armed robberies, burglaries is not is is much safer. A lot a lot a lot of development. Roads are generally better. Um there's still issues with the going between Onisha and Inugu, which I don't know why, but like I think that's more traffic congestion and um uh, some feeling of insecurity, but people still do it, and there's no issue. My parents did it a couple of weeks ago, right? But um, it's much better, much much better. He definitely did the work he set out to do. He definitely did not spend public funds. In fact, he saved. They they made a lot of money during that period. Um, he kept the funds in. He he ended up paying pensioners back pay for years. Um, things of that nature. The education thing I'm talking about, because people got paid, kids were getting what they needed, and the scores went up. You know, so like these are tangible things he did. It'll be good to see what he can do on a larger scale. Um, I just feel like in in general, I think he maybe he may not be able to articulate all his plans right now, but there will be active thoughts and you know active impetus to do something about certain things you mm-hmm. know for me the main thing that i think most people would like to see solved in nigeria at least i would want to see resolution as major things and people may think it's not major it's three things power mm-hmm. on a basic level power will change a lot for the economy if it's stable just mm-hmm. it'll be transformative if we can figure out a way to get it to the point where we're not thinking about power as an issue going forward. If you can fix the power infrastructure, that's great. Security, mm-hmm. especially in the north, Boko Haram, some way to get them under some permanent control. There will always be offshoots, but like real tactical responses to that issue um, is one is, is the second one, and the third one is. The Naira, again, I feel like if those two first things get sorted or there's some action to them, 
our economy generally will thrive. So electricity will drive up the economy, which will make the Naira stronger. Security will make accessibility to the economy from outside more reliable. So those two things should be one of the two of the major things that drive the economy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So those are the three things. And I feel like the way I can sit down here and say, okay, security-wise, okay, maybe Nigerian Nigerian, um, Nigerian um, security forces may not be strong enough to actually do anything. We need to consult experts in this, locate where these people are and actually eradicate them. No matter how harsh it sounds, do something to actively destroy their strongholds, look for them, destroy them, you know, stealthily but decisively within a week or two weeks. Not doesn't have to it really doesn't have to be an all out war. I know that there's villages there and people hostages and stuff like that, but there has to be a way to forcefully stamp out these forces, in my opinion. And I know that if you need to bring in experts to do it silently, find a way. As president, I'm sure he'll be able to call other governments and figure out how to get those things done. I don't know how you do it, but a show of force to eradicate that problem would be one way to go because we know where they are. Well, in in large part, we know where they are. Um, I think that's um, I think that's an important critical thing. Um, I I think primarily when you think about like the one thing I think that and I've heard him I've heard PW say this multiple times, not so eloquently, but multiple times I heard him say this is that if you get the economy going, a lot of the things that you're seeing are going to die down. Because whether we like it or not, you know, Boko Haram is Boko Haram and they're going to, and then they're a terrorist organization. But I would bet if there were jobs available to all these people, less of them are going to be inclined to go and risk their lives for what? Exactly. You know, a lo- it's easier to recruit people that have nothing to lose and nothing to and and had nothing to gain in their life anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you can fix up the economy, which he said many times, you do you will make significant grounds in solving the security issue. Mm-hmm. You will make grounds in solving um, a bunch of issues that that we have in Nigeria, even the healthcare issue in, in many ways. Um, you you'd be able to solve that, and I know this will sound very tribalistic, but I'll say it to the best that I can. When you look at the, there's only one vehicle manufacturer, indigenous vehicle manufacturer in the country. Mm-hmm. That's his innocent. Innocent. Yeah. That's in Anambra, and the mm-hmm. innocent um, uh, founder CEO. I forget his name now. He directly credited Pitobi for their existence and their their survival. He directly said that. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at that, that says, that says to me, this is a guy who supports local businesses from the ground up, right? Which is what we need more in Nigeria of, so that we're not importing things as much and we're actually exporting things potentially, right? Mm-hmm. Including car car manufacturing. So all government cars, in my opinion, should be innocent anyway. They all have too many cars, for the record. But Malaysia <laughs> did this when we were younger where they had tariffs on imp, imp, car importations and everyone had a proton. That was, that was, a, that was a car. Everyone had that car. And mm-hmm. if you wanted to import your Mercedes, which some people did, sure. There's a, there's a high price for that. And government cars were proton. That should be the way it is in Nigeria. If we don't mm-hmm. want to do the, the, the tariff, I'm okay with that. But 
government vehicles, buses, everything should be locally made, innocent mm -hmm. or somewhere else. And by the way, that will promote competition to get people into a market because now they see it as a market, right? Yep. The second thing is, whether whatever we think about them, the best, well, the biggest airline in Nigeria is the airpiece. They have the biggest yeah. fleet yeah. in Nigeria. That's another Anambra guy. Whatever we think about him, that's another Anambra guy. So my, that... my overarching point is, is that um, when you look at the type of people that stereotypically they consider Igbo people to be, and mm. you see that the problem in Nigeria is fundamentally the problem of the economy, these are people who are very one-track minded in building business. And they're mm -hmm. going to look at Nigeria like a business that needs to be built up. And I mm -hmm. think that is what Nigeria fundamentally needs. That's not to say that other people can't do it. I mean, isn't Dangote building the refineries and doing all sorts of things? So yeah. other tribes are more than capable and are doing this. But my, mm -hmm. my, my singular point is, this is what we do. <laughs> and this is what we're, we're known for doing. So yeah. why not give it a shot to see if we can make money for all of you? It's, it's dangerous because, again, I know you, you said the tribalistic thing. That's Unfortunately, that's our, that's one thing that's Nigeria's curse is tribalism. I don't see a way people move past that. I, I just don't. Just in the main, you know, obviously there's different people that think differently. When it comes down to it, even just what we're talking about in this election, there's a lot of tribalism going on. PDP is playing on that, you know, um, you know, even APC to an extent is playing on that, even though they're doing Muslim, Muslim, not necessarily Alsa, Alsa or anything like that, you know? So like, that's a problem that I don't know. If he if he begins and again it's it's what exists right now like you said Enosan is the only local manufacturer so if he just goes as president and conscripts Enosan to supply all government cars that could be frowned upon oh, but hundred percent hundred percent yes even though it's a good thing to do just generally as a policy for the country like you said it, it should promote people or encourage people who are other entrepreneurs to start their own manufacturing business and hopefully sorry uh, compete with Innocent to get those contracts eventually you know, whereby thereby bringing in more business and more construction and stuff like that into Nigeria initially it'll be a problem I think but either way, you're right. These things should happen, but I don't. I'm just wary about doing anything that will, at least in the onset, cause disunity amongst, you know, the country. I think his, one of his biggest things is to do things that will benefit every Nigerian, not just a like a section. Mm -hmm. You know, that's yeah. that's where I think. I think that's why I think doing things like electricity, infrastructure, security. And fixing the economy in general should help everyone to varying degrees, but I don't want, I don't, I, I would rather not have a, any gesture that seems to favor one side over the other. And if he starts to actually actively conscript known businesses, you can do it stealthily by just supporting local businesses across the board. But to make Innocent exclusive government contractor for vehicles, things of that nature is very, very slippery slope.
in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think the the optics of it will be tribal. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way the way to sell it is well, you know how he always does. Look how this country did this. Look how this country did that. Mm-hmm. And and that's just part of our issue is we don't have a national identity yet. We, we don't. Have a, that's what we I'm have saying. A ethnic identity, but it's just sound policy. It's it's it makes so much sense to me that. But we're our own worst enemies at times because we get we get in our own way. So I I understand that it could be politically dangerous, but I mean the guy bought five hundred whatever in a number and and Samuel Luce, Samuel Luce celebrated the fact that he bought one and added one car, one innocent car to his convoy and was making noise that he supports local manufacturing. So like something's got to give somewhere, but you know. Hopefully, if you do that kind of thing, you promote a bunch of other businesses from other people, you know, in different sectors and, and are very open and honest about that. But, you know, it's it's a very interesting time. Nigeria is hot, you know, on the ground. It was it was very politically charged where everyone wants to talk about, um, uh, what's it called? They want to talk about politics. And uh, me, I'm just there asking questions and hoping for the best for everybody. So I I hope it goes the way we want. But to your point, or the first point that you made, I don't think he has to win. I think he has to have a very good showing because that will inspire a next generation of people to believe that actually we can upset the status quo. We really can. Because all he has to do is make it, make have a really, really good showing. And then I think in a couple of years, the political future of Nigeria is going to be sound. I think so too. I think even if he doesn't triumph 100%, this period, I think he needs to stay in the political scene. He needs to wait for another four years and go for it again while building his base. I feel like, you know, using whatever shortcomings come from this the regime that wins, and if he doesn't win, he should definitely find a way to build that base. Um, I'm also hoping that he doesn't the thing, the problem is this. I think that also, if if he doesn't win, and for some reason someone sensible like Atiku, sorry, someone other than BAT comes in, maybe Atiku has some sense and employs him as in a position, he will accept. He will mm. accept and do find a way in any way he can to to impact some kind of change somewhere, um, mm. and I hope that doesn't prevent him from. I don't think it will be something that will hinder him from going for the ultimate goal again in four years, but I can see it being something. So I, I don't know. I don't know if I would want him to take the job and make the change he can in whatever sector he's given, or just say no and build his base for the next four years and just stay away from this government. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that I don't know what the best way to do it is, but. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that that discussion. Thank you. I think um, we should have, as we run up to the elections, I think obviously we'll have more discussions on this, more people yep. that are more knowledgeable, maybe perhaps find people that are on ground and start to talk more about what's going on. Because I, I'm very interested, I'm very anxious and curious about this election cycle. Um, I'm hoping that we get to the date of the election and nothing goes wrong in terms of physically to people. Um, at polling stations, you know, there's peaceful peaceful voting, even if it's rigged voting, peaceful. Uh, um, you know, 
So that's what I'm hoping for. That's my one of my biggest fears for the actual election day is that people go and show up and something terrible happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's a little bit pessimistic and way of thinking, but it's it's not it's not it doesn't sound too outlandish to me. I don't know if that, if that makes no, sense. it makes sense. It makes sense. Is the, so, the the real important thing is that you know everyone's safe and 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 our brighter future occurs, and who knows. Or we might we might get a group chat roundtable as as one of the political podcasts. So watch the space. Yeah, but yeah, bro. Thank you. Um, glad to see you again. Talk again. Happy New Year again. Um, you know, we will do our best to keep as regular as we can. I know it's been a while, over a month since our last publication, but um, life's been lifing. Um, yep. But we will try to be as more consistent as possible. And give you guys more. Again, we have there's a lot of things going on in the world, especially back home. So we'll probably want to discuss more. Plus, there's some of our shows and different things going on that we need to catch up on. Um, I haven't started Bad Bad season two yet, and uh, mm-hmm. we didn't talk about we didn't talk about um, Andor properly. I don't think. Yeah, things of that nature. So. So, yeah, we have a lot to catch up on. Uh, so we'll try to be as more regular as possible. But, yeah, bro, um, have a good night. Um, All right. Enjoy the rest Thanks of your week. Love to the family. And yes, everyone listening, have a good one. Be safe. Thank you. Good night. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Talk Shop with Bernie and Chimdi. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You want to talk to us? Find Bernie at BUCHE21 on Twitter and Chindi 